0: Okay, so let's press on. Um, for those that don't know me, I'm Phil Calvert. Um, I'm the sort of founder of Life Talk, uh, the uh, wonderful group of financial advisors on Facebook. We also have a group on LinkedIn as well. Um, and I realised the other day that uh, I've been running online groups for uh, financial advisors since 2004, uh, in one way, shape or form. So one or two of you might remember the old Academy website, which was a forerunner to LinkedIn. Um, and I just love the idea that you could create like an online industry water cooler, uh, which people could network, share best practice, exchange ideas and so on and so forth. And as part of that, what I want to do is, um, from time to time, interview financial advisors, uh, people in the industry and the wider profession, just to get a sense of how they see things, how they feel uh, things are going forward. There's all sorts of things going on in our profession right now, which we'll touch on one or two of them. Not least is the one beginning with the the letter C. Um, So today what I want to do is have a chat with Martin Dodd. Now Martin uh, is um, with the Midlands Investment Agency, which I think has been going well. The it's been going since seventy five, but you've been there since eighty five, yeah? yeah. that's correct. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. And you're up in Wolverhampton, which and I love going to Wolverhampton. Uh, it's quite often to speak at a PFS event or something like that. But of course, Wolverhampton is the home of heavy metal and rock um, around the world. And I do remember speaking at a PFS event, going into the hotel there, and there was a particular corridor leading down to the room where we were all in, and they had a picture of Slade on there. They had a picture of Black Sabbath, Judas Priest, um, and really flying the flag for, for rock around the world. So wonderful place. Have you always lived there, Martin, or are you just uh, – That's pretty, pretty much so. Uh,
1: I've spent 50 years of my 55-year life – in Wolverhampton, so I categorise myself. I think I qualify as a black country boy now.
0: Fantastic. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll allow that. And do you have, we have to ask this question, do you have any connection at all with Slade, Black Sabbath, or Judas Priest? Um Well, only a very
1: tenuous link. I live in a village called Brood outside Wolverhampton, and I can't remember his name now, the guy that used to wear the hat in Slade. Oh, Noddy. Oh, uh, Dave, Dave Hill. Dave Hill lives about half a mile from me.
0: There we go. Fantastic. I knew we'd find a tenuous... still knocking around. <laughs> find a, a tenuous link in there in this. Actually, if of all the bands that reform, um, if Slade were to reform properly with Noddy Holder, I would be at the front of the queue for that one. I would just yeah. uh, love to love to go to that. So just tell us a bit about your business, um, how it came about and you're involved just give us a sort of snapshot position of your business
1: okay so my business is is derived of a family out of a family business uh my father started the practice in 1975 came out of hambro life don't think there's anybody on here who would know who hambro life were. <laughs> okay but anyway so he, he was a direct salesman for them started a general practice um he worked in this pra- in the practice where I work now, uh, up until he unfortunately passed away about eight years ago in his seventies. Um, I'd kind of wrestled the business off him by that point. Um, and I, I, for any of you guys, if you work with family businesses, you'll recognise that that is a problem. In that fathers often don't like letting go, so I had to wrestle it off him and. Uh, drive the
0: business in a direction that I wanted it to go in. Right. And and so what was that kind of direction? What what was your thinking?
1: Uh, Well, the direction that I wanted to go in, um, we were coming out of an era where we still had commission and everything was – the fees were all front-loaded. And you're talking 15 years ago now. I wanted to convert that into a recurrent fee-based practice so 15 years about 50 it is 15 years ago where I started to anybody that I onboarded as a client I wanted to have an ongoing uh fee-based proposition with them and obviously the associated um review process that goes with that which it's all all the talk at the moment we're rediving back into that with consumer duty
0: yeah, yeah. Okay, well, we'll pick up on consumer duty uh, in, in a minute or so. Um, so from time to time, I like to drop in useful resources uh, that suddenly spring to mind based on something someone <laughs> says. Now, you talk about fathers who won't let go or who find it find it difficult to. Um, if anybody can get hold of it, and I know I've got a cassette copy of it <clears throat> somewhere, and I ought to digitize it if I possibly can. There is a wonderful series of recordings called The Broad Concept, um, which is about the process of communicating the importance of shareholder protection, uh, partnership protection, particularly in family-owned businesses. Um, it, it was probably recorded in about the 70s or 80s, and it's an American r- recording, but it is the finest a resource i've ever come across if you are remotely interested in business protection partnership protection and that whole area but particularly um where you know per- parental owners are involved as well um if i can find it dig it out somewhere um and i can digitize it i will but it may be out there on the internet somewhere but it's called the broad concept um absolutely priceless um priceless it really is so Martin give us give us your I'll put you on the spot here give us your snapshot state of the financial planning profession as you see it right now
1: um
0: i think we are in a
1: transition phase um in that the old way of doing business i, I don't mean getting into the financial planning aspect of it but the old way of how we acquire client acquired clients is changing just a personal view, but I think the traditional route of acquiring clients through referrals and professional connections exclusively is if it's not dead, it's dead in water. I don't think you can build a practice in this modern age quickly enough by using those strategies. Uh, and because of that, I have been on a lot. I mean, Phil, and you and I have known each other for a long time – Um, I've been on a long journey of of, of creating what I call digital assets continuously um, because I believe that, well, none of us buy anything any longer without doing some research online at the very least about anything that we buy, whether it's a physical product or a service. And where I want to try and position myself is in front of that research that people might do so that I am becoming first of mind. Mm -hmm. So when somebody uh, I either trigger an interest in somebody about financial planning or they are thinking that they need to do something about financial planning, I don't want them to think about anybody else. Okay. If they're in my sphere of influence, my radar, I want them to first of all think it's me.
0: That's interesting. Uh, so we'll 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 talk about digital assets in a minute. Uh, you make a really interesting point because I thought for a long time that financial planning is one of those concepts that huge numbers of people they don't really get it, they don't really understand it, but they only do start to get it once they start to experience it. Uh, I think there's a lot of products and services out there that you don't really get it until you experience it. Now, I think as an industry, let's call it that for a moment, that's our fault that people don't really get it. Uh, I think we've probably made a pig's ear um, as to how we promote the concept of and the value particularly of, of financial planning. So you talk about digital assets. Just talk us through what you mean by that. because And just to put a bit of background on this for the benefit of everybody, One of the places we we last got together was, uh, I think it was an event I was running. And I was talking about the concept of a value ladder, uh, which is not my idea, but it's an old old marketing idea. But if anybody wants to really understand the concept of a value ladder and how important it is, they need to get this book here, dot-com secrets by a guy called Russell Brunson. So, With that in mind, would you just like to explain how you understand a value ladder is, Martin, and where digital assets sit within that? Uh, So
1: value ladders are really interesting, and they're quite difficult as a – yeah, brilliant. (laughs) Um, You can probably see in my bookcase behind, I've got all four of these books behind me, coincidentally. Um, Digital assets are quite difficult – sorry, a value ladder is quite difficult to create for advisors, because I personally don't believe that there is advice light, medium level advice, and if you like, gold-plated advice. Um, So it is quite a difficult concept uh, in terms of our value ladder to get across to people. But what I think is important is that we, instead of seeing it as a value ladder, is we get the people on the ladder of knowing us understanding uh, more about what we represent and we can walk people up those uh, steps of the value ladder until they reach the point when they're at the point where they wish to buy because not everybody's buying today. Mm -hmm. So the value ladder to me in terms of a financial advisor is value of content as opposed to you can buy a product often off me for 97 pounds uh, and then, if you become a, a, a more of a fan, you buy something at four nine seven. And then, when you're a raving fan, you buy something for five thousand pounds. That doesn't really exist, mm-hmm. but in terms of content, yes, it does. So it's our value proposition, as opposed to our um, value of you can start light, you can take a bit more product if you like, and then maybe become, as I say, that raving fan. Yeah. Uh, and want the whole thing, but so we can take people through that journey.
0: I see. Interesting. Now, so in, in terms of digital assets that you have, I think you've got a guide that you give away. I do have a guide uh,
1: on a uh, on a. It's a single page website, in effect. It, yeah. it is. It's a ClickFunnels website. Okay. Um, so that is a download guide that I don't consistently do it but I drive traffic to it periodically okay Uh, and the way that will work is that somebody that downloads that uh guide then goes into an email sequence if you like it's a nurturing sequence which um and if any by the way if anybody's doing anything like this every single email has to have some form of call to action Mm -hmm. um because people won't do, particularly in our area uh, in society, people don't do things unless we guide them to do it. Um, so that is one digital asset. I am also in the process of launching um, an evergreen webinar. Um, okay. And I'm, I will launch a series of these <laughs> because i want to talk about specific subjects i don't want to go high level and just say i want to talk to you if you're interested in financial planning mm-hmm. because nobody's interested in that mm-hmm. so I, what my areas of interest are um i call it retirement roadmap i you yep. know want to create a retirement roadmap for people so that you know anybody over the age of 50 probably should be thinking about this so i want to run a webinar about have you got your retirement plans on track so that is evergreen so if for those that don't know what evergreen <coughs> are, I'll record it once and then it just runs you can register and it runs every 15 minutes so again i can switch that on and off um so once i've got the template for that and that will launch very shortly uh, i will have three other funnels book funnel yeah um because again that's another uh, lead magnet uh, I will have a generational wealth planning webinar. Okay. Um, and the other one, which is a bit looser, I haven't fully worked out um, quite what this is, but I'm, it's, it, its project name is the big investment decision of your life. Okay. Uh, quite often, if we inherit, sell a business, sell a house, there is a time in our lives where we have to make this one really massive decision about money. Uh, So I want to create an evergreen webinar. So I've got these digital assets that can sit there for years. Um, And I can turn them on and off, drive traffic to them. uh, If I want more clients, Um, and I'm assuming everybody here uh, watching would like a few more clients, Um, you're not going to get a tsunami of clients, but if you've got – 3 or 4 leads a month that were warm leads people you've as opposed to pushing your uh thoughts to people this is pulling people towards you and they're going I'm interested in what martin has to say I want to know more so that's what I would call a warm lead so if we had 3 or 4 of those a month yep that um is, in my opinion, be a lot more than you would ever get from referrals and professional connections. Um, and by the way, I'm sorry, apologise in advance here. If you do use professional connections and referrals as your primary strategies, I have a special name for that strategy, and that's called the Oliver Twist School of Marketing. Please, sir, can I have some more? Um, doesn't doesn't really work great for me. My character is that I want to draw people to me, and not me say, "Please, will you, you know, send send me some work? It would be nice. Very kind of you. I'll take you to the football." I don't want to do that. Yeah, Yeah. it doesn't sit with me. But it's fine with other people if they want to do it.
0: Yeah. Now I saw something um, in our Facebook group. uh, Well, the most, the single most common question that has come up since two thousand and four. Uh, and, it, and it comes up with extraordinary regularity, is a question along the lines of uh, how do people find unbiased? Does anybody use vouch for? Does anybody purchase leads from Bark? So it, 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 this is a constant question that comes up time and time again. And I noticed that you added a little comment uh, on the most recent one of these, which I think was last last week. And you said, and I quote, after many years, I've come to the conclusion that outsourcing your marketing does not make very much sense or something to that offence. But can you just kind of expand on your thinking there? Um,
1: yes, I can. <laughs> I I am guilty of subscribing to Unbiased and Batched 4. And I every time I see that I'm a bank statement, I'm thinking, why am I paying that? Because... For me personally, it is completely and utterly useless. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but I'm pretty busy anyway. Um, there, are, I have weeks where I have 12 client meetings. So if I get an unbiased inquiry, by the time I've gone to click to it, it's already gone. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I think the quality of them, is not very good anyway. Um, and so the reason why I made that comment was because I think as advisors we should be our own marketing company. And I've I've recently come to the conclusion that if we are if we our own own our own business and we're all financial advisors, first of all, we're a marketing This is on the assumption that we want more clients, we're a marketing company that provides financial advice. So there's a big proportion of my time is spent on how do I market Martin Dodd the financial advisor mm-hmm. and Martin Dodd the human. Because I don't I, I think outsourcing your marketing now is becoming weaker and weaker and weaker. It's becoming too generic, uh unbiased, Vouched for. Maybe they do have a place, but if if I tried to build a business using those marketing strategies, I would have starved to death a decade decade ago.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But I think uh, we all feel that we've got to be on them. Uh,
0: well, I think, I think that's a that's the human that's the sort of um follow the crowd um, mentality, which is fair enough. You know, what, what if I'm not on there? Maybe I'm going to miss out. Um, no, you're not. I mean, I mean, it goes back to. I remember in the very, very early days um, of IFA promotions. One or two of you will remember that and um, the lovely circular logo. The idea of being able to buy leads. They, I remember them saying to me, said this, people should never rely on on a firm like us. They should only ever look at buying leads as. A vehicle for topping topping up your pipeline as and when you need to. Nothing more than that. And you should have your own your own way of doing it. So are you kind of advocating that advisors could possibly think more about building personal brands along the line of what Daniel Priestley talks about, key person of influence, that sort of thing?
1: Uh, yeah, uh, I've read uh, Key Person of Influence. It's behind me somewhere here. Yeah. Um, great book. I would recommend anybody reads that. I, I've come to the conclusion now that, um, as financial advisors, it is about us as individuals. It's about Phil Calvert. It's about Ben. It's about Mohammed. It's about Kelly, etc. It's not about the companies we work for. We can't, unless there's anybody from SJP on here. We can't be SJP. We haven't got the budget to all the time to create that massive marketing engine and we can hit way above our weight by just being who we are mm-hmm. uh, and i know a lot of people on social media say well i don't want any other people to know my personal life i get that but you can decide what in your personal life you want to share and i and and if if uh digital marketing is where you want to go I will tell you straight now, your clients, your future clients want to know who you are. They don't want to just know Phil Martin, the financial advisor. They want to know who they are as people. So I'm very selective. If you you are following me anywhere on social media, if you analyzed it at all, you will see that I only post on certain subjects, which I have personally selected
0: Mm -hmm.
1: because I'm building my own. Personal brand. Uh, and we so, for for example, I know I'm very young for this, but I'm really into my garden. So on Facebook, I every weekend will post pictures of my garden. You wouldn't believe how much of a magnet that is. Don't get a lot of comments on Facebook, but I get stopped in the street. Your garden, absolutely amazing. I mean, it's not amazing because I'm just very smart at the angles I take photographs. <laughs> Um, I also take photographs when I'm out walking the dogs. Yeah. Strategic. Uh, I'm involved in triathlon. Periodically, there will be something there. It is all strategic, but immersed in all of this will be high-level questions, if you like, about what I do as a living. Yeah. So one of my posts, and, and I well, I'll talk about a bit of tech in a minute, but one of my posts last week was and you got to be quite brave to say this, but I posted in an image, I'm in the business of serving my dream customers. Yeah. Now, I've never seen a financial advisor ever post anything like that. Yeah. But that does get through to people. Now, I mean, they're not going to pick up the phone and go, hey, you know, I've just seen you post. You know, I want to do business with you. But that is sending... A very clear message out to the people in your community. I only have about 450 people on Facebook. I used to have about three and a half thousand. Got rid of all these people because they were not engaged, it didn't know them well enough. But I having called loads of people, when I do meet people now, they'll get, your posts very thought-provoking, really interesting. So I'm no one, you know, I've, I've got my finger in the crack. Yeah. And when they are ready. I'm there.
0: Yeah. Uh, I, the concept of the dream customer to me is critically important. Whenever somebody on in our Facebook group mentions LinkedIn, does anybody get business from LinkedIn? There's about a handful of uh, IFAs in the group who they only show themselves in the group when LinkedIn gets mentioned. And the comments they these five or six people tend to post are, the best thing I ever did was get rid of my LinkedIn profile five, 10 years ago, because all we ever get approached by is recruiters. And I always makes me smile because if you're only being approached by recruiters and not your dream clients, then that's your fault. Um, LinkedIn is about positioning yourself and aiming your profile so that it speaks to your dream clients literally if you could and it's an exercise I do in workshops is we encourage people to write down what would a dream client look like who would you if you could choose a type of person only to work with describe them create a client avatar as they as they like to say if you do that on LinkedIn, and aim your profile at your dream client guess who turns up not recruiters but dream clients the algorithm is designed to do that and now this suggests that we're starting to stray into sort of more niche type marketing what What are your thoughts about niche marketing are you really on board with that or is it a, a, a bit too much
1: uh yeah so i am actually um and I'll just steal Pareto's principle at the moment. And by the way, I think Pareto was wrong. Uh, it's not an 80-20 rule at all. I think it's more 95-5. So I am niched in that my avatar is a business owner over the age of 50, within 15 years of retirement, that wants to be absolutely sure that they will never, ever run out of money. Okay. That's you would see that anywhere on a social media profile of mine
0: yeah
1: i don't really think any of us sh- you know, once we get to a, a point in our businesses where we are confident that we've got a sufficient ongoing income stream i think we should be ruthless about people that come to us and i would go as far as saying 90 percent of the people that you start to work with should fit your avatar and if they don't there is the 10% because every now and then somebody comes along with a case that is really interesting and uh, would really inspire you, but also uh, help you earn more. So you take a few of those people on, but 90% of the people you should deal with. And I see this problem, it should be all the same type of person, but I see this I see it on Life Talk all the time. People have so many broad ranging questions on so many different topics. I'm thinking... I'm not intelligent enough for this group. I need to find a group that operates at a lower level because it's they're so technical, so technical, uh, and I just think no, I, I don't want to deal with that. I, that's the kind of person that that I get, uh, and the reason why I, I uh, that's my avatar is because it's me.
0: Yeah,
1: I'm yeah. dealing with me. Interesting. Uh, yeah. Although I've recently decided, decided because of our dear beloved. Departed queen that I can't retire at a traditional retirement age because that's 30 years before she did. So I've got I think I've got to keep going a bit longer than I would have previously thought.
0: Yeah, interesting. So we ought to touch on um the C word, um, consumer duty. What part do you see marketing playing in fulfilling that?
1: i a very good question, Phil. I think what consumer duty actually does is gives us an opportunity to go back into um, our processes that we uh, have in terms of looking after our clients once they've onboarded. Uh, so I was actually on a webinar yesterday for most of yesterday afternoon, uh, roundtable webinar. Most of the conversation was about annual reviews. Mm-hmm. And I think it's always been a challenge to um, have a process that works 100% of the time. And I don't think any of us in this conversation today would say that their process is 100%. There is always an element of disengagement. So I think what consumer duty... My initial take on part of I mean, there's a lot of stuff in there, but my initial take on it is that uh, I want to dive back into my annual review process because I've got to try and make it as easy as possible for the client to be engaged because all our clients are busy. They've all got very interesting things that they want to do compared to talk about money. So I'm going to be diving back into our annual review process so that we can make it more engaging. And I don't mean having lots of pie charts and things like that, but just Mm. a a little clue here that turns clients off because they don't know what it means. Um, So I don't have any of that kind of stuff. My annual review process is all about soft questioning. I'm trying to draw out of people what's going on, um, but I want to really tighten that up, and I'm going to be trying to use tech to help me do that.
0: Okay, that's interesting. Now, um, I'm a big fan of old-school marketing techniques. Um, My my favorite is I I still um, look at Keith Churchhouse, Chapters Financial Planning in Guildford, uh, the master of sponsoring roundabouts, um, which is cheap, ridiculously effective, great for profile, um and and simple to do um let's describe a book as an old school asset relatively few financial advisors in the uk have written books you know in the united states if you've not written a book they raise their eyebrows um at you now you've written a book um financial the financial freedom formula how to become financially free and live the life you want um absolutely fantastic oh there it is right on cue absolutely fantastic reviews on amazon um what was your thinking behind writing it in the first place uh number one was uh
1: expert positioning uh-huh. to give myself credibility um i printed sufficient copies so that all of my clients could receive a copy yeah um I think probably only 15 to 20 percent of my clients actually read it because most people don't read. Yep. Um and it is to this day used as a lead magnet. I give it to my clients and also say to my clients, if you've got children, so my typical client would be somewhere over the age of 55. Um I give it to them to give to my clients' children. Yeah. Um I'm actually remodeling the book. Um, and the interesting thing about how I wrote the book, if any of you are interested in writing a book, um, it's 34 chapters, 34,000 words approximately, but each chapter stands on its own. And there the, the word length per chapter is 500 to 1,500 words. That was a rule that I set myself. So that you could pick the book up and read two, three chapters, put it down and not think, oh, I need to go back to the beginning because I've forgotten what I'd learned in the first few chapters. So each chapter has a a purpose. Yeah. It has a lesson. It has a moral, something you can take from it. Um, and it took me too long to write it, really. Uh, but I, if, if you feel that you've got a book in you um, – Um, send me a message and I'll help guide you through the process because uh, it's quite liberating writing a book and publishing a book. It's nowhere near as difficult as you think. Mm -hmm. And with Amazon self-printing there, did you know that if you publish a book now, you can get hardback on-demand books from Amazon? So this you'll be able to get this in a hardback version before long, on-demand. But what I'm also going to be doing with it, that's a typical size book. Uh, I'm going to change the shape of it because that makes it a little bit more interesting. Um, But also, I'm going to put some illustrations in it as well. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Just makes it more engaging. Uh, And I'm rewriting – well, not rewriting. I'm adding a chapter 35, which will be a CTA. Does everybody know what a CTA is? Call to action. Call to action. So it will be quite a subtle call, call to action, in, I'm not going to say send me an email or anything like that, but it will be you know now is the best time ever. you know the best time to plant the tree was 25 years ago the second best time is today do something now yeah. um, so when it's when I relaunch the book I will also be doing some ad spend on Amazon so that the book so if you go to Tony Robbins let's say to buy money it's also going to say buy this book as well. Um because yep. lots of people buying more than one book at once and I never realized this until recently that that, that added book yep. is a paid for ads ad ad. Um, so that will be a book funnel so there will also so when you sell on Amazon you don't get the data so I'm not going to create an audio, audible version of it but on the inside cover there will be a link to my funnel. If you want the audio version, so I can collect the yeah. email there.
0: Yeah, I I'm, I'm not
1: accepting masses of traffic, but I don't need a lot yeah. of it.
0: Yeah, I do that with one of mine. I give the um, give the ebook away, uh, and it's got a link to a funnel page, uh, and if they want, they can buy the audio version. So I kind of do it yeah. do it that way around.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, you're you're exactly right. It's nothing like as difficult as people think it is to do. No. Um, interesting i just happened not have one paul harper who was supposed to be on this call today um he's just published this uh reinventing the financial advice profession absolutely fantastic it really is um first financial advisors i came first financial advisor in the uk that i came across has written a book uh martin bamford i know he's kind of moved on to do different things now but he's still a director of informed choice this one came out in 2006 He wasn't even thirty. I think by the time when that came out, and it raised a lot of eyebrows amongst um, older financial advisors. You know, what does he know? You know, he's not even thirty, and he's written a book. Well, he's written three books, I think, four or five now, in conjunction with other people. I think, as financial advisors, we we have the we have our own idea of what a book needs to look like. There is this perception that, that you know a proper book is is that kind of thick well it can actually be that thick The important thing is taking some expertise and experience that you've got up 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 here and turning it into something that other people will find of value. Um, Daniel Priestley advocates giving away your book and the more I think about that uh, and he set a target of a of give away a thousand copies of your book if you possibly can and you you know when you create a book on Amazon Um, Yeah, giving away the PDF is easy, um, but it's nothing like as valuable as giving away a proper uh, paperback or hardback copy. Um, And, you know, you're not going to make a a fortune writing a book unless it becomes an international bestseller. Um, But the goodwill and the perception of expertise that it gives when you give away a copy of your book Uh, is off the chart it is the single best business card you will ever have simple as that but you know as martin says there is a process to doing it um i some of the world's top best-selling books were written in a day um those of you know grant cardone one of his one of his books was was written in an afternoon um and basically all he did was record himself speaking and then have it transcribed after that and he makes him laugh that uh, people actually bother to get in touch with them and say, "Grant, you do realize your book is riddled with typos and grammatical errors." And he said, "Really? Well, I've sold five million copies of it, and I really don't care." <laughs> you know, so um, you know you can make you can make a decent amount of money, but just as a as a tool to give away to prospects, um, it's absolutely absolutely fantastic. And don't just give a client one copy; give them two or three, as you said, to pass pass on to to their clients. Um, I'm, I'm kind of conscious of, of time. Um our Facebook group is increasing. We're seeing more and more younger advisors coming in now, which is absolutely fantastic. What marketing advice would you give to someone if they were literally just starting out right now, today? And we see this come up in the people do ask a question, said, I'm brand new, fresh out the wrapper. Give us some ideas on, on the right sort of marketing direction. I not for everybody, uh, certainly
1: in the advisor community. Uh I am a massive fan of Facebook marketing organic mm-hmm. um, so I have I have a group. I have a profile, but I also have a page. So those that are on Facebook they've got a profile. Uh, my group is retire retire worry free uh, for business owners retire worry free group. but the page uh, is a public profile page. Uh, So what goes on there is strictly content relating to financial planning. It's high-level stuff. It's not advice. Uh, And those that are in networks, you might need to speak to compliance, but I would argue till the cows come home that there's not a shred of advice in any of my posts. They are all, uh, if you like, the, the posts are designed to make people think Yep. So I'll use a lot of imagery, um, and the tech that I use to do that is Canva, free of charge. Well, I use two bits of tech, actually. I use um, Bitmoji on my iPhone. to create. I've created a cartoon avatar of myself. It's all free, by the way. A cartoon avatar of myself with a think bubble. So you've probably seen them, Phil, where I will say something in a Canva post. Yep. And it will be an image of me. And most people go, oh, that, "That's the cartoon version of Martin with a thought bubble." So that is uh, currently that is how I am making my posts stand out. Facebook and LinkedIn primarily, yep. in both my profile and my page and my group. Interesting. Uh, and the, and the, and I'm I post virtually every day. Sometimes three times a day. Uh, and I'm not, I know a lot of you thinking, well, where, what am I going to post? I've got no idea what I'm going to say. Well, first of all, follow me. Just copy me if you want, because you're not you're not in my area, so it doesn't matter if you – so you could be seek inspiration from me. Another place which is awesome for inspiration is Twitter. If you follow U.S. financial advisors, they have some wonderful insights – so I'm not copying them. I'm modeling them.
0: Yeah.
1: I also follow Russell Brunson, .com Secrets. Uh, he, he's a relentless poster. Um, and I, if none of you guys know who uh, Russell Brunson is, I urge you to follow this guy. He's built a billion-dollar company in eight years selling software. Yeah. Marketing software, funnels. Yep. Um. And he follows the same. I mean, the strategy that I follow is his strategy, really. In that I post selected personal stuff and work related stuff. He's exactly the same. By the way, I also post to Instagram as well. Wow. Um, so I'm, also, I'm on Facebook I'm, and uh, Instagram. I'm using Story, not all the time because there's a lot of balls to juggle here. Um, but I'm well, I'm on the verge of using Reels. Yeah. Uh, And again, I've got a very cheap app on my phone called Captions, so I can record a video up to three minutes, and within a minute, it will transcribe everything that I've said in that video. So that can go on to Reels. So about about two years ago, if you wanted words over video, I had to go to Upworks and get some Ukrainian to stick the words on, and it would be a week later, and it came back. I can do it on my phone now. Yeah. Um, And... If, if digital marketing is something that really interests you, when you're out this weekend, maybe walking the dog, going for a walk in the park somewhere, just shoot something to cam- camera. You don't need to post it anywhere. Just get used to talking to a camera. Talk about your dog. Talk about the football, whatever. Just get used to being in front of the camera. And be. you have to be expressive. You can probably tell I'm talking with my hands, I talk with my hands because otherwise, if I'm just going, "Hello, this is Martin Dodd today," you know, nobody's it's going to swipe. So I've got to be a slightly larger than life character just for the camera. Yeah, uh, and you know what's fascinating about that is that elevates your social status when people see you doing that online, and. People just see you as more of an expert in your field but also as a larger character in life because nine out of ten people will not get their phone out, will not post anywhere and say anything. I don't know about you, but my Facebook feed is littered with sponsored ads now and everybody's moaning about it. The only answer to that is to post yourself. Say something. Mm doesn't have to be earth shattering it just no if you have an insightful moment just to give you an example somebody said to me last week last week what's the secret i said what do you mean what's the secret is there's got to be a secret to become financially free so i thought about it for a few minutes i said there's three secrets you know said, go on then tell me tell me i said number one automate your savings save every month okay not very interesting. What's the next one? Save as long as you possibly can. Okay. okay. That's not very really interesting either. What's the third one? There's got to be a third one that's really good. Make sure that you're in investing in diversified, broad spectrum of assets. Well, that's not very interesting. Well, that is the secret. That That is a 60-second clip that can go on reels.
0: Yeah, yeah you you're not averse to getting on your feet and speaking at events as well uh no no I I'm not up, I'm up for speaking gigs as well um
1: and again it just this elevates your ability to um be the inspired person in the room that people want you know they want to do things with you when you mm. when you get out there and do things um and that doesn't need to be work in my personal life I'm involved in Triathlon. I'm kind of the go-to person in my triathlon club when we want to get anything done. So we're running a challenge at Christmas time to raise twenty-four thousand pounds in twenty-four hours by a group of people swimming twenty-four miles in twenty-four hours. So teams of two, they've got to swim twelve miles each. So it's a big flipping challenge. Yeah. So they've come to me and say, "Right, Martin, can you kind of organise, pull all this together, be the front man for it?" um So yeah, in in and that that helps in my business as well. Transfers sideways in spades. Mm, mm. So, if in all your interests in life, be the uh, you know the, be the bigger person in the room, and that that draws people to you. Not only for what you're going to do in that voluntary organisation, but they will also think, well, it's unconscious. They're thinking this person can do this here. Then you know they, they know some other stuff as well.
0: Yep, yep.
1: So, I, nice. so I get inbound leads a year now i would say for me probably 60 to 80 leads a year now not all of them are the leads that i want so i do have and and so this is the beginning of the funnel
0: yeah
1: 60 to 80 people want to do business with me each year but i may only end up doing business with 20 of those people let's say
0: sure yeah fantastic um I think we're about done for time, Martin. Thank you so much uh, for generosity. Um, Always like to finish with um, a recommendation for a book other than your own and a recommendation for an app or a bit of tech. Over to you. Okay, so I'll go with a book.
1: Um, It's slightly off topic, but I think I've read it recently and it really resonated with me. Uh, So it's a book called uh, The Obstacle is the Way written by Ryan Holiday. Mm -hmm. Um, It is about stoicism. uh, And given the challenges that we face today in society, it's very easy to get, um, uh, I wouldn't say depressed, but feel that there's not a lot we can do. That book, I think, is quite insightful, and it helped me kind of think about there's things that I can control and there's things that I can't. So I've actually bought a number of copies of this book uh, and I've given it to a few clients because I have had clients in my office in tears recently. Right, They're worried. Um, so if I find a good book, I buy half a dozen copies, keep them in the office, um, and when the right occasion comes along, I'll just give them the book. So don't, they don't just get my book, they'll get other people's books as well. Uh, so... He's written a few books. Uh, he's American, but he's, he's a good guy. He's quite young, so he's got a young outlook on life. Great. In the tech space, if you want to um, start to create more of uh, a, a footprint in whatever social media platform, Canva is a great tool to use. Lots of free imagery which you can plant words over. Yep. Uh, and I think if you're – a At the beginning of your digital journey, I think um, using something like Canva, high-level topics, let's say, or thoughts of the day is a very easy place to to go. Don't expect a massive amount of engagement. You just won't because people don't talk about that kind of subject online in open forum. But I think if you are consistent in doing it, You'll find that when people meet you person in person, as I like your posts,
0: and people remember individual yes. posts from like yonks ago as well. don't Yeah,
1: they? yeah, yeah. And uh, something else that I used to do, but I don't really need to do it because I don't really have an inspiration problem. I used to keep a calendar of what I was posting every day of the week, so that if I sort of ran dry on ideas, yeah. After three months, I could go back to day one and say, "What did I post on the first of uh, November? Yeah. Can I create another post around the same topic?" Uh, and nine, none of it is in massive detail.
0: Yeah, uh, just
1: building my personal brand.
0: Yeah, fabulous, a uh, great tool. I'm sure I've mentioned it before. Great tool for getting ideas as well. Uh, you mentioned Twitter, um, a website called Answer the Public literally answer the public. Um, And it's a, it's a website that sort of collates every search that's ever done on the internet for any topic. Um, And if you were to go there right now and type in triathletes or financial planning, it finds all sorts of questions, finds all the questions that people ask around those particular phrases, and it presents them in a quite a nice way as well. And it gives you a ton of different ideas to create content like that. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Martin. Really appreciate your time today. You. Uh, absolutely fantastic. Um, hope we'll catch up again soon. In the meantime, thanks to everybody else for giving us your time today. I hope you found something of interest. Um, there will be a recording, and I'll pop that in the uh, in the group for it for everybody. Uh, so thanks a lot. Thanks again, Martin. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, and nice to see everybody. Thanks a lot.